You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, paying off $111,000 of debt in four and a half years on a teacher's salary with Allison Baggerly. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Before we get into this amazing podcast episode, let me tell you about today's sponsor, Experian, and why I'm so excited to share this amazing tool that will help you boost your credit scores. So now you know I'm on a mission to bring not only the concept of financial freedom and independence to a wider audience, but I actually want to give you the tools and resources that will help you actually accomplish your money goals. So access to credit is a key component and gateway in being able to build wealth. And I'm not talking about access to credit cards for the purpose in staying in perpetual debt. We're not doing that, journeyers. I'm talking about using credit as a way to leverage and increase your buying and investing power. The facts of the matter are this. Most, if not all, people will need to use credit throughout their lives. And the better the credit, the lower you'll pay in interest charges and expenses. I've seen firsthand what access to credit and having good credit can do for someone's financial trajectory. Now, whether it's through the countless number of guests that I've interviewed who cited credit as a way to buy their first real estate property, or just through my own personal experience of using credit to buy my first real estate property and actually travel hack where I use credit cards to save thousands of dollars on travel, credit is important. Without good credit, you will be denied access to opportunities that would otherwise allow you to get ahead in life. And that's why I'm happy to let you know more about Experian Boost. This free tool from Experian allows you direct control over your credit file with the ability to improve your credit scores immediately. Experian Boost allows you to connect your utility and mobile phone bills that you already pay to your credit file so that you can boost and raise your credit scores yourself. It works by giving you credit for the utility and telecom bills you're already paying. So if you pay bills like water, gas, electric, cable, your cell phone through a checking or savings account, you can instantly raise your credit scores. This is the first time a credit bureau is allowing consumers to submit utility and telecom payments to be factored in their credit file. And only Experian is doing this. Only positive payments will be factored into your credit file. So it can only help and not hurt. Now, in the rare situations where a person's score goes down from boosting, they can instantly disconnect the boost and their credit score will go right back up to where it was. Now, I wanted to try this out myself before I give this my official stamp of approval and shared it with you, journeyers. And this is what happened. I wanted to share my results. Now, I already have a pretty decent score, but I wanted to just see what would happen. So I followed the very simple steps provided on the Experian Boost website, and I was able to increase my score by four points. The overall process took about five minutes from start to finish, and it was completely free, no credit card required. So if you want to try this out yourself, go to experian.com slash journey. Do it yourself and let me know what happens. Now, results may vary, but check out the website for more details. Once again, that's experian.com slash journey, E-X-P-E-R-I-A-N.com slash journey, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. Now let's get into this episode. 
Hey, 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 Journeyers. Super excited to have this week's guest, Allison Bagley, on the podcast to talk about how she and her husband paid off $111,000 of debt in four and a half years on a teacher's salary. So I'm super excited to get into the conversation. Before I do get into a little bit more what I'm going to talk about with Allison, wanted to make sure that you were following me on social media. I am Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come on over, follow me, at me, tag me, let me know what you're thinking of the episode. And as always, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, that's that purple app on your iPhone, rate, review, and subscribe. Well, you can subscribe wherever you're listening. And remember, it's free. So when you subscribe to the podcast, that basically means you just won't miss an episode. It will automatically download and you'll get notification when there's a new one out. Also, as always, if you want the episode show notes for this episode, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 98. Once again, journeytolaunch.com slash episode 98. You'll see any of the links that Allison and I talk about. Let me tell you a little bit more about Allison. Allison is founder of the Inspired Budget. She helps people learn how to budget, save money, and pay off debt. And we're gonna like really get into it because she and her husband paid off $111,000 of debt on teacher salaries in four and a half years. I mean, and I just love hearing teacher stories because my husband's a teacher. When I first started my journey, I was inspired by a teacher. He was on episode three of the podcast, so way, way, way back. Ed, the millionaire instructor, um, he was a teacher and he shared how he got out of debt and reached financial independence and was able to quit his teacher salary job. So I always love hearing stories by teachers. So I'm excited to talk to Allison, excited for her to share her journey, what she actually did to be able to do that, you know, how her and her husband stay committed to their goals. She also opened up a bit about her struggle with anxiety and depression, especially around money. And I think that's obviously something that affects a lot of people and we need to talk more about. So I'm glad that Allison opened up here and talked about this. Plus, we talked about so much more. So I can't wait for you to get into the episode and hear it. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Allison. Hey, Journeyers. Excited to have on today's guest, which, by the way, took a couple of reschedules to get this done. So I'm happy that it's finally happening. Hi, Allison. Allison from an Inspired Budget is here talking to us. Hi, Jamila. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm so happy that we finally got a chance to sit down and do this. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Allison, Allison is from Inspired Budget, and she has an amazing debt payoff story. And then I think on the other side of that now is side hustle slash, you know, mom raising kids, working full time and really killing it in the online like blogging slash personal finance space. So I wanted Allison to come on and talk about her story about how she paid off. What was it? A hundred. You say the number. How much was it? Allison? A hundred. It was over one hundred eleven thousand dollars worth of debt. It was a lot. Right. It was a lot of debt in how many years? Four and a half years on two teacher salaries. Yes. And, and you guys live where? We live in Texas and we have two kids. So there was about a three year period where we were actually paying over anywhere between twelve dollars to $1,500 a month in daycare costs as well to keep our kids in daycare. Okay. And so I wanted Allison actually to be the one to say all those things because I just think it's just, you know, amazing. She and her husband were able to accomplish that. And we're going to dive deep in that story because I know you guys want to hear it too. Some of you have debt right now. You want to understand how to get out of it. And so start there. 
And then we'll quickly go into kind of what Allison is doing now to help supplement her income even more. And so, yes, so many exciting things to talk about. So, Allison, let's get back into like the debt itself. What comprised all that debt when you first started? So our debt was comprised of student loans and car loans. And that was like all of it. We had some credit card debt, but we paid that off before we really started counting our debt and really budgeting. So I don't even count that in our $111,000 worth of debt, but it was a majority of student loans. Now, was that evenly split between you and your husband or? You know, no, it really wasn't. But by the time we really looked at it, we were already married. So we kind of already saw it all as ours. It wasn't necessarily evenly split, but we tried to always look at it as, you know, what's mine is yours. And this is ours together. It's not like, he had more, I had more. It was, we're going to tackle this together. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking that too, because I think it's interesting when couples come together and they're paying off debt together. Sometimes they do look at things individually, like that's your debt. This is my debt. And kind of the way that you seem to have done with your husband, where it's just like, you know what, it's our debt or it's our thing. So we both are going to like attack it aggressively together. So we can get into that too, because I'm sure people want tips on that. But how long ago was it that you started to like first pay down your debt? Oh, gosh, it was in January. We kind of count our start date as January 1st, 2012. It was about four months before my oldest son was born. And that's when we really kind of started tracking the debt payoff and started really tracking our budgeting and tracking our our money. Mm -hmm. Now, you said that you did this on teacher salary. So can you share with us how much you guys were making? If you don't want to share the, the exact number, you can share around about that you when you started the journey, how much as teachers you guys were making? So when we started our debt free journey, we were making in the $80,000 range combined. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're teachers. That was combined. (laughs) I want to I'd love to work somewhere where teachers get paid $80,000 a year. Oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. No, that was definitely combined. And we um, we were making that much money and we ended up getting pregnant with our second child. And I honestly was very nervous because I knew like daycare is going to cost $700, $800 a month. And we're not going to have much extra to put towards debt. Well, it just so happened that my husband took a different job in a different district that got a pay increase. And his pay increase was the exact amount as our youngest son daycare payment was going to be. And he started that job the same month my youngest son was born. So it kind of evened out. So we got an increase at the same time we increased our daycare payments, which allowed us to actually still continue to make traction on our debt payoff. Mm -hmm. My question here as you're talking is, all right, you went from having the $110,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. I guess the next question should be, what made you realize that you wanted to get out of it? Because you could have just kept chugging along at life, right? Living how you guys were living and keeping that debt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, if it was up to me, I, I I would have never faced it. I never would have. I would have swept it under the rug, pushed it into the closet, said that doesn't exist and move on with my life. Like I would have never had the courage and the motivation to face what we had in debt. It wasn't actually until we got pregnant um, on our honeymoon with our first child where I realized, oh my gosh, what? I have to be an adult? <laughs> You, you're telling me I have to take care of someone else? Like, I'm not even taking care of my own finances. How am I supposed to take care of someone else? And being able to face that and face the fact that, you know, my husband and I needed to work together as a team to try to bring a human into this world. And we wanted to set him up for success. 
forced us to say, okay, we've got to tackle these problems first before things get out of hand and everything gets crazy and we have more kids and we feel so overwhelmed and we're so used to the lifestyle that we had lived up to. We wanted to fix that first. Mm -hmm. And I find actually that's a reason for a lot of people, whether they just start having kids or they have kids and they realize they want to do more is that that becomes a big motivation um, for a lot of parents. So at that point, what did you do differently? So how did you find more money in your budget to be able to start paying down your debt so quickly? So what we did was we looked for patterns in our spending and we saw huge patterns that were just, we were overspending in different areas. And so we cut back on areas that we were overspending like food and going out to eat, you know, going out for entertainment purposes, things like that. We cut things out of our budget, like our gym memberships, our cable, anything that was considered more unnecessary, we cut it out. The good news was that by this time I was pregnant and sick all the time and tired all the time that I didn't want to go anywhere (laughs) and do anything. So it was kind of an easy transition. And we just, we were very mindful of our spending where in the past we were not mindful. We asked ourselves a lot, is what we are wanting to buy necessary? And if it was not necessary, we tried our hardest to not buy it. And we tried to be each other's accountability partners so that we would talk each other out of purchases that really weren't in line with the goals that we had set for our family. Mm -hmm. Now, were most of those payments, so I'm imagining that you already had your minimum payments on your debt. Now you had to go above and beyond to kind of accelerate it. Do you remember how much like monthly you were putting towards debt payoff at that time? Oh, yes. So our minimum payments when we first started, not including a mortgage, rent, anything, it was $1,400 a month. And when it was $1,400 a month, we also were paying about $750 a month, either $750 or $800 a month in daycare costs. And so there were times where we were able, depending on the month, you know, some months have higher expenses, birthday month, things like that. We cash flowed everything. There were months where we would put maybe an extra $1,000 or, you know, $700 per month. Any of our, if we got any money in tax refund back, we put it there. Any Christmas gift money, like my grandma would give us $60 every Christmas. We would put that, we would actually use that for groceries. And instead of budgeting for groceries, we'd put money to debt. So it was all of our gifts, all of our extra money. We worked side jobs here and there to be able to increase that amount in certain months of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of where you guys live, because, you know, for some people, their mortgage and like you said, food and transportation, there are like a lot of major expenses where that like takes up a lot of their income. So how for you, was there anything out of the ordinary in your like fixed expenses that helped with that or you kind of really just looked at all your discretionary spending and cut it back. Yeah, we looked at our discretionary spending when we purchased a house because we did purchase a house while we were on our um, while we were paying off debt. We did stop and save up money for a down payment. We purchased a house. When we did that, we bought a house that was so much lower than what the bank said we could afford. That we were like, no, we needed, we knew that we wanted our monthly payment to be under a certain amount. And it was actually like just a hundred dollars more than what our rent was on our apartment. Um, so we knew that where we stood and we didn't look at like these huge homes that we could have afforded that the bank said we could have afforded. Not that we really could have, could afford, but that the bank told us that we could afford because we knew we had goals to meet and we knew we had to pay for daycare. Like they don't always take that into account. And you mentioned your husband, like you guys were both 
on board with this? Did it take any convincing of him to do it? Like, how did you get on the same page with all this? To be honest, I think that it didn't take a lot of convincing. I think maybe it would have if we had not gotten pregnant. And I like I feel bad saying this, but like truly we were our motivation was fear in the beginning. In the beginning, it was strictly fear. And like sometimes fear is a really great motivator and it turned into a motivation for our our why became our motivation. You know, wanting for the family and for future children and not having the stress and all of that. But that fear was a major motivator to get us both on board. And then from there, we carried each other along the way because it wasn't always easy. There were times I was done. I was so done. I wanted to give up. It was not worth it to me anymore. And my husband would pick me up and say, no, you know, we have this goal and this is what we need to work towards. And I would say, gosh, you're right. That's what we talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. and we had to encourage each other along the way to finish. Now, so what what was like so difficult? Was it that you wanted to like spend money like everyone else or working kind of too hard? Oh my gosh. I wanted everything. I wanted to walk. You know what I wanted, Jamila? I wanted to get five baskets at Target and I wanted to walk in when no one else was there and I wanted people to hand me Starbucks and I wanted to walk down the home decor section and I wanted to put anything in my basket that I could fit and I wanted to walk out of that store and just feel amazing. And then I wanted to drive straight to the beach and I wanted someone to hand me a fruity drink on the side of the beach and I just wanted it. I wanted it all. Mm -hmm. And that's what it came down to was like, insecurities, you know, and trying to fill my happiness with, with stuff and trying to seek joy and find joy in in things and experiences that I didn't necessarily need to find joy in. And that's what I wanted. And there were times when it got difficult or we were teachers and we were on summer break and we were bored and I was jealous. It comes out of jealousy. And I would want those things again. And I had to remember, no, you know, those things won't fill my inner being. They will not bring me all the joy that I know that I can have without those things. You talk about too, like you were, you're a spender, like you're a recovering spender. You used to have, you had, you had this on blog, you talk about your purse incident, right? So it's like, it wasn't easy for you. And I want to kind of highlight that for some people listening, because for some people it's natural, like it's a natural thing not to spend money in certain areas. Like, so for me, it's not that hard for me not to spend money on clothes or Target, You know, for me, it's just like, all right, I just, you know, don't go in there. I don't really like shopping anyway. But for some people, it's like, that's their thing. So if you, so I want kind of you to tell that, like this kind of story, this part of your story where you, this was your thing and you were able to put it on hold or whatever it was that you were able to do, like it's possible. So can you talk about that a little bit? Right. No, I, I love to spend money. Like this is not something that your budget expert should be saying. (laughs) It's like sometimes there's a high from it. Like I am a natural spender and I had to learn to be a saver. And what happened was I had to learn to enjoy saving. It's almost like whenever I was engaged um, to my current, to my husband, I wanted a coach purse so bad. I wanted a coach purse for all the wrong reasons. I wanted a coach purse because it made me feel important. I wanted a coach purse because it made me feel pretty. I put too much value in this coach purse and I was a poor teacher and you know, he was also a poor teacher, but I didn't care that he was a poor teacher. I wanted this coach person. So I said, I want this for Christmas. And he took me to the store and he bought me this coach person. I know he hate he hates this coach purse because it the coach purse symbolizes to him that I wanted something that was materialistic that would bring me joy for a moment. And he didn't even have the funds to buy it, but he did it for me to make me happy. And I think that there was, you know, that built up some resentment 
And what I had to learn over time through, you know, really tracking my spending and seeing my patterns and seeing what I was doing, I had to learn that, okay, buying all the makeup at Ulta or going into Target and shopping or going to the mall and buying clothes or going into the coach store and buying myself a coach purse so that way I could feel happy. All of those are temporary happiness. And I, if it brings me a high and can I get the same temporary happiness or the same high from putting money into my savings account? Can I get that same happiness or that same high from sending money to debt and seeing that amount go down and then find my true reason for happiness in something else, find that in myself or in a higher power. And so that's where I think the shift happened for me. And I mean, it's still something I struggle with, but it's also something that I'm not willing to define me. I'm not willing to go back to being a spender. Mm, And I love that. I want to highlight that because I find that that shift, so that shift from finding that joy and that exhilaration from maybe spending money in a certain area, if you can like lock in and get excited about like improving your finances in the same regard, like it's game over. Like the, your motivation, it's different. Like I remember when I first started on this journey and I started to see, okay, this is how much more we can save. And I started to like log it. I used to log into my bank like every day or my investment accounts like every other day. And it used to like just, I used to get so happy seeing the account like accumulate more and more and more money. And I used to do all these like this track tracking of how much we could save and invest over time, how much that would grow. And that would, that would give me so much like fuel. And so I think for a lot of people, if they can like lock in to that feeling of even if it's paying down debt, right? That debt, like debt is equally as important as investing money. It's meaning paying off debt is, it's, it's a way of investing in yourself. So if you can like start to get like that exhilaration from seeing the debt go down, even if it's by like a hundred dollars, like it, that, that something goes off, that switch goes off and you want to even like do more. And it's not going to feel like, absolutely. Yeah. It's not going to feel like you're depriving yourself. It's going to feel like, Oh, I am on it. Like we're like, this is fun. Yeah. You're empowering yourself truly. And I think that it's important to know that people don't like, I feel like when you say that, like you logged into your bank account, all those things, I don't want people to think like, well, I don't like math or I'm bad at math or I don't like numbers. It's not about that. It's not about whether you're good or bad bad at math. You find, you find what you do well and you use that to motivate you. So like I would make these really big posters of debt-free thermometers and I would shade them in and I would, you know, and I would still do the budget and I would do that. But you find what motivates you. So what motivated you was logging in every day and seeing that and project making those projections. But it's okay if that's not what the motivator is for someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to find what works for you. Okay, so now you guys, you stayed on track for four and a half years, paid off all that debt. Yes. Yay. It was awesome. (laughs) Did you do anything to celebrate? Well, we paid off all of our debt and then we were, we felt poor and we started getting hit with some medical bills (laughs) that we didn't know were coming. So we like scrambled. We were like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have paid it all off yet with our savings. But it all worked out. We saved up our money. We went on a um, couple's vacation to an adults only all-inclusive resort. See, we're both teachers. And I had told my husband, listen, I want to go on a trip to celebrate because we hadn't been anywhere since our honeymoon. And I said, I want there to be no children. I want to see no children on this trip because I'm a teacher. I see children all day long. I come home to my own children. I said, and you know, if that makes me selfish, I'm sorry. But for five days, I did not see one child. (laughs) It was wonderful. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome, actually. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was so great because that's a teacher. And then like, you know, people want me to volunteer for Sunday school. And I'm like, no, nope, can't do it. I'm around kids way too much. Right, right. All right. And so one thing, you know, I want to ask while you were in that debt payoff mode, did you still contribute to retirement accounts? How did you tackle saving and investing versus paying off debt? That's a great question. So because we're at teachers in Texas, we actually have a pension fund that we automatically, we, we don't have a choice. You have to contribute to it. So our pension was still coming out every month out of our paycheck to go into that fund. And then we did not contribute anything else onto a retirement. We did have a small savings. It was about $1,000 per person in our family. So when they were, we only had three people in our family, it was $3,000. When we had four people in our family, it was 4000 It should have been more because we have a dog who lost his leg, and that cost us way more than $1,000 to have his, his leg amputated. So maybe we should have, in hindsight, made it however many people and then the dog. <laughs> right, <laughs> Maybe right. that's a good recommendation. But, you know, we did not focus on retirement while we were paying off our debt. We had enough money to cover our expenses, to cover kind of our um, deductible on our health insurance. And then we just, I mean, everything else went there because we had a mission. And you know what? The closer you get to the end goal, the like more exhilarating it becomes. And it's almost like I could not wait for the next payday because I would make that payment and I would feel like I was on top of the world. Even though I was actually sending most of my money somewhere else, it was, you know, like you said, it was like investing back into yourself. Right, right. So also, so and also here that you basically kept your savings account very lean. So I know some people, like if they're following maybe the Dave Ramsey method and, you know, that's the method he suggests you keep your emergency, your starter savings like low, and then you like focus on debt payoff. So it sounds like that that's what you guys did too. You didn't really have a huge emergency savings at that time. No, we didn't. We had, I think the most it ever was, was $4,000. Okay. That's good to note. Cause I know a lot of people who are currently in debt, they kind of struggle with, all right, but I want to kind of build up the savings and do this other thing. But you were strictly focused on the debt payoff at that time. Yes. And you know what? Somehow everything always worked out. Right. Good to know, because now I'm just wondering, you were putting, it looks like, what, maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred, you can correct me if I'm wrong, a month to debt payoff. Once you no longer had the debt, now what? What were you doing with all that extra money? Oh, it's fun. See, now it's fun because we are maxing out two Roth IRAs. We are putting money aside. We both drive really old cars. We know that my husband's car is on its last leg or tire or whatever you want to say. And so we're setting aside some money to be able to buy a car, hopefully in like the next year or two. And then we're setting aside money for kids college fund. We're setting aside money for vacations to take. We want to take a big family vacation every summer. Um, And then we are trying to increase our emergency fund some because my youngest son had a ruptured appendix and it really depleted it. It it depleted our emergency fund a significant amount. And um, we want to build it back up to even higher than where we were We're kind of back at where our goal is. But I've increased our goal. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I know it's like such a lame answer because our our lifestyle has not shifted dramatically. We increased our restaurants budget. We increased like our fun money, but we had grown so used to this habit, this lifestyle of just living on less that by the time we were done after four and a half years, we weren't wanting the things that we once wanted because we became different people through the process. Mm -hmm. And that's like the cool thing about the whole journey is that like the person you become to be able to accomplish those goals. 
Like it sticks for the most part. Like, you know, this is in no way I never recommend someone force themselves to do something that's totally uncomfortable. I mean, I I advise people to do things that are uncomfortable because that's where you see change, but not to the point where you are miserable on the journey. Like the point is like, as you travel along, it almost becomes, this is who you are. You feel good bypassing Target or Starbucks. Not saying you can never stop there, but you just, the decisions you make, you become more in charge of your life and that sticks with you. So that way, when you reach the other side of um, you are debt-free, now you have all this wiggle room to not just like go back into the habits that got you into debt in the first place, but to really like to like what you're doing, you're saving towards the things that you want to do. You're still being responsible and you're still enjoying life a bit, right? That's right. One of the things that I am so impressed with you is that your Instagram account is huge. Everyone loves your budgeting tips and style and your, your whole like technique. And maybe you get that maybe from teaching because you, you are a teacher. You kind of people like kind of love your style. So I want to know this side hustle now, right? Inspired budget, that's your side hustle. And I know a lot of people now, like they, they're thinking, okay, how can I earn extra money? Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about that. Let's talk more about how you are earning extra money through now your website and then like how you're managing it all. So how you're juggling that, the kids full time, husband and all the, all that jazz. Yeah. So I started Inspire Budget several years ago when we had already actually paid off our debt. And I could not stop talking about budgeting and debt, debt payoff, debt journey and everything like that to the point where my cousin was like, Allison, like, this is all you talk about. You need to do something with this because like the family's tired of hearing it. Basically, you know, it's like my friends were tired of hearing it. My family was tired of hearing it. I couldn't stop talking about it. I'm a teacher at heart. I mean, I love teaching. And so I started Inspire Budget truly to take my love of teaching and my love of finances and combine them. And, um, you know, it, it was, I went into it not knowing anything. I went into it staying up until three or four o'clock in the morning, reading articles on how to start a website and a blog and, you know, best practices and things like that. And truly it was my passion for helping others that kind of carried me on. Cause I mean, I don't know how I didn't give up sooner. Cause it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of hard work, but the payoffs are so grand. And I'm not talking about the payoffs in terms of, you know, the money, but the payoffs in terms of helping others really kind of stop living that paycheck to paycheck life and have less stress in their life when it comes to their finances. Like that is so wonderful to be able to help people do that. So yeah, I started Inspire Budget to teach people and um, it's turned into a truly a business that I really hope to take full time one day. You sound like me when I started. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you start this and because you feel you have, you have a talent for it. You have a talent in teaching it. You have something to share with the world that will benefit them. And then, but it must be hard though. So like, we're going to like talk about kind of you juggling it all, but I want to get back into just like someone who is trying to do it like a side hustle. What are the things that you've experienced like starting this um, that you want to like tell people about in case they're looking to start something similar or a side hustle in general. You are talented at something. There is a skill you have. There is an experience you have in your life. There is something about you that you can share with others to help them to either give them something that they want, that they want to enjoy, such as like a beautiful picture, if you are great at art or um, knowledge. And so take what you already do well, take skills you already have and turn that into your own side hustle. The, the cool thing is that 
we all have different talents. We all have different skills. We all have different passions. And when you hone in on that, you can start a side hustle that actually you'll actually stick with. You know what I mean? Because so many people start things and they fail because truly they're not doing it for the right reasons. They are not doing it because it's something they're passionate about. If they might be doing it because somebody else is passionate about it and it looks cool. But when you find out how you can help people or how you can provide something for others as a side hustle to make money, then it's going to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then for you, growing it over time, it has to be something you enjoy, right? This is the same thing. Yeah. It can't be, like you said, just something you're doing just for the payoff, because in that case, the payoff might not happen right away or what you expect it to be. And so you want to stay motivated. Yeah, I think like in my first six months of blogging and Inspire Budget, I was like negative $66 or something like that. And so many people were think probably thinking like, why is she still doing this? You know, or it's just that you have to keep going because I had this vision for something grander than I had ever thought that I was meant for. And um, I just love it. I love it so much. So what was a turning point you feel like because... Like looking at what you do now, you know, you're sharing income reports from Inspired Budget and your following has seemed to like really take off. So was there a turning point in your business where you saw that happen? My turning point was definitely, I would say, in 2018. I feel like I started my business in 2017 and I feel like when I was doing it, I was like, what else? What is someone else doing that I can do? Like, what are they doing? Okay, let me recreate something like that. And I'm not talking like products. I'm talking like their personality. And I'll never forget being on Instagram and I would put filters on my Insta stories. I was so nervous because I was so worried about people judging me. And at one point in 2018, I, I realized like, no, it's not about that. It's about being vulnerable. It's about being real. It's about being able to connect with someone on the other side of the world or the other side of the country and realizing like, oh my gosh, they struggle with the same thing or they have struggled with the same thing and they made it through. And I feel like the moment that I became truly vulnerable and I showed my real self out there, I put out, you know, I stopped using the filters. I started talking about some of my own personal struggles with things like um, anxiety and depression when it comes to money. I feel like that connection piece started with my Instagram following. And when that happened, my blog grew. And when that happened, my sales grew. And it felt like I was just being me. And I didn't have to apologize or fear that someone would find out something about me that wasn't true because I was just putting it out there and I was being vulnerable and I was being real. And I wanted to make that true connection with people. Oh, I I love that. Because you know what? <laughs> What's happening a lot is like, especially in a personal finance space, you know, there's but so many ways to talk about a budget and investment investing. Like I always say this, all this stuff you can Google, like you can find out if you really wanted it, like just Google it. It's, it's probably out there. There are a million articles about the same thing. And now with this, with the birth of Instagram and in like, you know, social media, everyone kind of can now tell their own story. And I love it because everyone tells their story if they're doing it, which in when a style that's true to them in their own way. And so for me, it's not necessarily that you want to like buy my budget bootcamp or your, you know, budget bootcamp because of the actual like worksheet. The worksheet is there. Like it's probably not that far off from each other because it's but so many ways you can budget. But what people want is you like they want the way you teach. They want your style. They're connecting 
to your story. And so I think that's a great like tale for anyone who's thinking, oh, it's over, something's oversaturated. Like there's someone else doing what I'm doing or, you know, what makes me so unique when it's just like, no, just literally be yourself. And then things will start to happen. You'll connect with the people who are, who are meant for you to connect with. You'll find your tribe. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I, I absolutely remember when I started this and I was like, but why would I do this? Dave Ramsey's already out there. You know, why would I do this whenever someone could, could go somewhere else? And I remember my mom was like, because of you, Allison, because you have a story. You have a story that people can connect to. You have a personality that people can reach and you can connect with these people. And they're not all going to connect with everyone. And that's okay. You know, there's so many people in this world and we all deserve to find someone to connect with, even if it's just about budgeting and finances. And it seems silly But it's true because when you have that connection and you have the inspiration, you know, people are more willing to put in the effort and the work Mm -hmm. whenever they've been inspired by someone. Right. And because there's so many people who are not showing their true selves, it's like Mm -hmm. there is a lack of that authenticity and that just like connection that you get. So when you feel it, when you see someone that you're like, wow, I really just connect to this person. I don't know why. It's just something about them, their story. Then like you just want to follow them. You want to support them. You want to learn from them. So you actually mentioned something that I actually want to jump into if you don't mind, but you mentioned you struggled with anxiety and depression when it came to money. Oh, yes. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. So I just struggle with anxiety and depression in general, and I struggle a lot with anxiety and depression in terms of money. I will never forget that whenever um, I had like, uh, whenever my husband and I were first married, and we had, I don't know, or some, something happened with the car, new tire, some, something broke, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. But it was going to cost hundreds of dollars. And we didn't have hundreds of dollars. And as someone who already has depression and anxiety, like my anxiety was heightened so much. And it was heightened to the point where like, I was just a hot mess. I was crying. I couldn't imagine it because I, I was anxious with the fact that this would derail our plan. You know, it was, I was having control issues. This was, this was going to derail our plan. Or how are we going to make payments if we're using this money? I needed to have an emergency fund or savings or sinking funds in place to cover those purchases. Because when I can already have money that I've been like setting aside and not thinking about it and the car, something happens to the car and I can pay for it out of that, my anxiety, it, it makes me a better person. It makes me a better mom. It makes me a better wife because my anxiety is in check. Mm-hmm. So you basically you're, pres- you're preparing yourself for the expected, unexpected as best as you can. And I'm doing that for myself because I know my triggers. I know, you know, and that's going to be different for someone else who struggles with depression or anxiety because I know how I'm going to react whenever there are these huge unexpected expenses. Then I can put steps in place for when that happens. My anxiety doesn't go out of whack. I mean, I'm not saying that like, that's the end all be all. But it, it it's a helpful thing to do. And by golly, if I can take steps to make myself not have, you know, anxiety attacks or not fall into a depression, I'm going to do it. Right, right, right. Okay, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Now, since you are the budget queen, I want to ask you just a couple questions, like quick tips for people who have a hard time budgeting or finding a system that works. What are some just like your best couple tips for budgeting? Start tracking your income and expenses because when you are seeing where your money is going and you're able to categorize it and find patterns and relationships in your money, then you are going to be a better budgeter because you know what to expect. You know how much to, 
you know, you know, what is a realistic amount for you to spend on groceries or what is a realistic amount for you to spend on gas instead of just like trying to guess. And then as soon as you don't meet that, you know, that expectation you had set for yourself or that amount you had set for yourself, you give up. So I would say truly like go back for two months in your expenses and track and truly look at how much you were spending in each category. And then I would also say that no one's perfect. Oh my gosh, no one is perfect. I am the, I am the most I'm imperfect person. And even though we have been budgeting for so long, we still mess up our budget all the time. And so we make our mini budgets and our mini budgets are like, I will literally look and see, this is how much money we have in our account. Here's how many days we have until payday. Here are all the bills we still have to pay or here are the, our expenses. You know, we are going to retrack. And even if it's written on a piece of notebook paper and you stick it on the fridge, that is holding yourself accountable and saying, I'm not going to give up because something didn't go as planned. Instead, I'm going to make a new plan because budgeting is flexible, even though so many people think it's not. Mm, right, right. And then in terms of like you running your business and, you know, working full time with the kids, that kind of going back to the, the question when we started on this like part of the interview, it's more of how are you juggling it all? Because I remember when I was like in your situation and it, it's hard, it's hard. So how are you keeping up with everything that you have going on in your life? I'm not. I mean, to be honest, um, I'm not going to come on here and lie. It's it's hard. It's very, very difficult. Um, I struggle with keeping up with emails and messages and blog posts. I mean, I was supposed to publish a blog post yesterday and it's still in, in draft. Um, I'm trying to be better about prioritizing things. I'm trying to get my priorities in check for, you know, my family and my husband and um, my friendships and my work and my blog. And I'm trying to keep my eyes on the fact that this is a season of my life. This is a season of my life where I am going to be spread thin, but I refuse for this to be my life forever. And um, I was talking with my husband about the other day and I said, just like a doctor has to go into residency and they are spread thin, people applaud them for that. Just like um, someone who's going to grad school and is trying to earn their master's, people applaud them for that. I I am doing something that is not cookie cutter. I am doing something that is more entrepreneurial in spirit. And people aren't as willing to applaud for that. Um, and so I am saying I applaud myself for that. And even though I'm not perfect, and I'm by far not a perfect wife or a perfect mom or a perfect business owner, I am going to put in the work and the effort right now so that I am not spread thin in the future, so that this is just a season, and so that one day I can do Inspire Budget full-time because it brings me so much passion and so much joy. So I'm not juggling at all. My house is a mess. I, I have stopped making myself my nice lunches to bring to work. I just buy the frozen lunches, and I just try day by day to get by without yelling at my kids and <laughs> putting some sort of edible meal on the table all while doing doing everything else. Yeah, no, I actually want to thank you for being like real with that because it's one of those things where I didn't expect you to say you were like juggling it like it all perfectly, you know, like this is, and I love that you're saying it's a season of your life. And let me tell you, so when I was in your situation and also very overwhelming, definitely was letting like, you know, just a few balls drop here and there on the floor sometimes, couldn't juggle it all. But I'm doing, you know, journey to launch full time and there's never enough time. There's still never enough time to do it all. You know, in fact, I, I said this in a previous episode that it almost feels like I have less time. I mean, I know in theory I have more time, but it feels like I have less time because I, I'm not up. I, I don't have these time constraints as I did before 
where I probably was a bit more efficient with my time when I was working because I knew I had three hours or four hours to get this done. Whereas now sometimes like, okay, there's a, a couple, maybe I have a more hour here or there to do something. And so the time is more spread thin. So anyway, things that I'm actually going to be working on this year is to, to be more efficient with my time now that I have a bit more of it. But I totally get you, Allison. And I see it. I see it in your future that you'll be able to do this full time one day. Oh, thank you, Jamila. That means a lot. Okay. So my last question for you is your thoughts on the fire movement. I have like one foot in the fire movement, meaning like I am on the path to financial independence. I talk about it. That's what I want my journeyers to be on the path to because I feel like everyone should be on the path. But I also realize that in the general <laughs> personal finance space, like that's not what everyone's going for, which is totally fine. So what are your thoughts on the whole fire movement? Is that something you are looking towards or trying to achieve? Right now, I'm like, I just want to do Inspire Budget full time. I'm like, I, it's hard for me to look that far into that. I've talked about it with my husband and he was like, there's no way I could retire early. I'd go crazy. Like, I truly think he would go crazy mm-hmm. if he retired early. I do not think it is for everyone. Like the man, he would need to be doing something. And then what would happen is he would do something around the house and it would bother me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like he needs a job. He needs to work. That is where he finds more of his purpose. And he has, you know, he wants to do it. He enjoys that. I love the idea of retiring early and doing something that brings me joy, whether it is volunteer work, whether it is inspired budget, whether it is spending time with children or grandchildren. I love that idea. I love the idea of saving money. I love the idea of of building up retirement to where I can and, and building up my savings to where I can, you know, leave a legacy to my children and my grandchildren. And um, I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to give, to be able to give and not, not, I don't want it to come off as like, oh, I want all this huge pile of money, but I want to give financial security, you know, as like, I don't know, like a last parting gift. That sounds so terrible. <laughs> no, that sounds <laughs> oh good. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds kind of morbid, but we'll go with it. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say that our family is specifically on that. I think that it definitely is very intriguing and I think that it's very it's very interesting for me. I do not think that it is interesting for my husband. Um, and I have to respect that because, you know, he's not me. And it doesn't mean that I don't retire early, but maybe he, he doesn't. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My husband, he kind of is the same way. So that's why I like to frame like the whole fire movement as there's two parts of it. It's financially, it's reaching financial independence where if you wanted to stop working, like you could, like you didn't, you wouldn't have to actively work in a job you hated. You could choose to do something else for income or for not income. And then like the retire early part, that's always a little hazy because for some people that means never working again. For most people, in my case, it meant just retiring them from a, from a corporate job or a job that I didn't love. And so my husband is the same way. Like if he's home with us all like summer, he's just like, okay, like you, I can tell he's getting antsy. He's like, I, like I need to get out the house. I need to do something. So, and my thing is like, listen, I don't want to be home like all day either doing nothing, right? Like I want to just have the option to do nothing. I might not ever do it, right? I might, I will probably always work because working, I think for anyone is like the basis of like life, but it's working to do things that you want to do, you know, whether that's, you know, volunteer work or in the community or working for money, it's up to you. But I totally understand what you're saying because it's something that I think, for a lot of people, they, they're struggling with when they hear this concept, like, what does it really mean for them? Right. 
Well, and I think that people have this idea of like, it just means that people sit around for like 40 years. They just sit, you know, and, and it's not that, but, um, I don't know. I think that it's definitely a wonderful movement. I think that it is bringing a lot of awareness to living below your means and, um, being financially responsible. And I love it. Right. All right, Allison, this was an amazing chat. Please tell everyone where they can find you and just learn more about your story. Awesome. So I am at www.inspirebudget.com. You can find me there. That's where I post articles and um, have information there for you to help make saving second nature. But you can also find me on Instagram. I'm at inspiredbudget where I jump in my stories daily. I post daily to try to connect to you and just kind of get to know you a little bit better. All right, Allison, this was amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Allison and you got some inspiration and some actionable tips from the combo. You know, I always say this. I love how much you guys love the podcast. And I know you get tons of inspiration and you want to do things after you listen, but I really want you to do things. I want you to think of one thing you can execute from something you've learned from the podcast and actually do it. So if you want any of the episode show notes, that's where you get the links. You can go to my website. The website address is journeytolaunch.com slash episode 98. Once again, episode 98. And I want to make sure that you are following me on all social media as Journey to Launch. That's at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget, just continue to tell your family and friends about the podcast. This is how we get the podcast more out there, how we grow, how we get more downloads and people on the journey. As a reminder, the doors to the Launch Club, the membership community for journeyers looking to take their finances to the next level, they're currently closed, but they will be reopening. And I want you to know about it. If you really are interested in taking what you're learning here to the next level, applying it to your life, but getting the resources, the classes, and most importantly, that community support to help you reach your goals, then you're going to want to know about the Launch Club. You're going to want to join. So to be on the list, to be the first to know when doors reopen, and hey, let's keep this between me and you, but I think I'm going to let people who are on this list get early access. So you don't want to miss out. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash launch club to get on the list. All right, that's it for now. So until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.